Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I got another great one for you. My guest today is Marisol Ortega. She's a designer, an illustrator, and an educator based in Seattle, Washington. Marisol was previously with the Starbucks Global Creative Team and then most recently at Amazon before making the jump to freelance. She tells us what that transition was like and what life is like now doing freelance design. She talks about how she studied abroad in Italy and what lit her creative fire over there. And she tells us a story about working on mosaics and stained glass in an Italian church. Pretty damn cool. We talk about some struggles with freelance and with time management in general, that and a whole bunch of great stories about design. Ladies and gentlemen, I had such a great time talking to Marisol, so let's get to it. My guest, Marisol Ortega. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Marisol. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Are you ready for a quickie then? Yes, totally. All right. Well, let's get started. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, Sure. My name is Marisol Ortega. I'm an illustrator, designer, um, mom, (laughs) craft extraordinaire, and Mm -hmm. I reside just outside of Seattle, Washington. Nice. Um, And you have been doing freelance since the beginning, or have you worked in-house before? What was the process? No, um, I've kind of just been working in-house for the longest time. And as of April, I, th- April of this year, I started uh, freelancing on my own. So I've kind of been freelancing since then, officially full-time. Cool. So what do you think led to the yeah. official get out of house and freelance? Um, you know, I have always kind of side hustled freelance and it's not because I intended it to be like, I'm going to work for myself one day, but because I wanted to learn, you know, different things, or I wanted to collaborate, or I was interested in knowing more about a certain thing. So Mm -hmm. and then before I knew it, like one thing led to another, and I just was doing so much freelance on the side that it became really overwhelming for me. And I kind of had to make a decision of whether I was going to keep doing it um, uh, as a side thing, or leave my full time job and just do this full time. So Mm -hmm. and then I decided to do it full time. Get her done. I like that. Yeah. And <laughs> See where, how we go. where were you working in-house? Um, my last in-house job was at Amazon. I was uh, a senior visual designer doing mm-hmm. illustration for gift cards and incentives. Amazon. I feel like I've heard of them. Uh, yeah, I know. Just a small little company. <laughs> yeah, just a little company. They probably sell, just some, a little... sell some stuff. <laughs> Awesome. So I want to go back even further than that. And I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that maybe led you in this career path? Um, I would say yes. And I think it just because I, so I'm Mexican American and Mm -hmm. I kind of grew up just uh, being surrounded by a lot of 
people who worked in either construction or like carpenters or super into woodworking or whatever, like very hands-on. So I think visually I didn't realize it until later on. And I was like, oh yeah, my dad would make me easels, you know, out of like scrap wood. Or um, I, I definitely was the kid though that carried around like a coloring box, a, a crayon box and yep. just coloring everywhere I went. So <laughs> I feel like that kind of just started. And um, yeah, and I don't even think I, I wanted to be in design until... After I studied abroad in high school, mm-hmm. um, before then, I had no idea that like graphic design even existed. So I kind of just decided to go to college uh, right after that. And yeah. Got it. So you did, you were always doing art and coloring and interested in that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your parents were very supportive of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were totally never like, don't do that. Um, it got a little bit weird, though, when I was deciding what to do for uh, college, just mm-hmm. because uh parent or my mom just kind of was like what are you doing with art like how are you going to make money (laughs) that sort of thing and I was like well (laughs) I'm not quite sure yet excellent (laughs) question mom excellent (laughs) question let me get back to you in three or four years I know right (laughs) (laughs) okay so then what tell me about the studying abroad that you had mentioned how did that how did that shape that and transform your creative path for you uh, you know, I it really transformed it a lot for me because I left my junior year of high school and I kind of just, I didn't see my mom or my parents for like an entire year, but I uh, went to uh, an art, kind of like a magnet school there, high school. Mm-hmm. So it was an institute of art, purely art. So like I was learning how to do mosaics, how to do like still life, how to do anything like Renaissance, Italian, like it was there. And Nobody spoke English in the entire school, so I had to learn a different language. <laughs> so where was this school, <laughs> sorry? Of, uh, it was in Perugia, Italy, so it's like oh, central crazy. Italy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I went there, and I was like, oh, my God, this is like basically what I wanted my entire high school to be like, to just yeah. like, you know, learn about different uh, uh, methods of like doing art, you know, coloring, watercoloring, gouache, like you name it, we did it. Mm-hmm. And it really opened a lot of doors for me. So I think that that's when I started getting really into design and then noticing design around me and what graphic design was. And um, just I would I would just remember like saving every scrap of like a bus ticket, a train ticket that I took, like even receipts that had really cool little illustrations on them. I I I, I was a pack rat. <laughs> I saved. <laughs> you kind a lot of became of like a little hoarder. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I came back with like a whole suitcase of full of stuff that I had like kind of lost and found and antique shopping, like old school books. Um, yeah, it was really cool. That's so cool. And I have a yeah. very similar experience in regards to travel and collecting things because we, my family and I recently got back from Ireland and Scotland. And when we were in Dublin, like touring the Guinness factory, like I kept the tickets because they were foil stamped and they look really cool. (laughs) And um, we bought, you know, these books and not really for the, you know, the, the education that the books offered or the history the books offered, but because they were really well designed and they felt cool or they had a nice piece of paper. Things like yeah. that. We, yeah, we same thing. We brought back a suitcase full of like books and random tickets and different things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm such a tactile person. So like I just I wanted to, everything I touched. I was like, ooh, this is a really cool emboss on this ticket. Like <laughs> I wanted to save it. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So that yeah. definitely lit that creative fire within you and really shaped your path. 
Oh, for sure. And I think just kind of being exposed to a different culture and how design was thought of, um, just even like in houses and how people lived and the train system, I was like, whoa, mind blown. I still remember looking at different maps and it and continued to be mind blown. So yeah, it that definitely lit cool. a fire under my head. <laughs> um, yeah. So was there a, a point in that... Um, you know, that studying abroad where you left junior high and you went over there where you really noticed design, what was the first thing that clicked to you um, or that you started seeing while studying abroad? Yeah, I remember I took a layout class, uh, just kind of like an introduction to graphic design there. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing, they were I forgot what they were talking about. Like it was layouts and everything. And then they started going into typography and kerning and noticing the spaces between letters. And then I could not unsee like dead spaces in between things for the longest time. <laughs> and I, I, I did it with everything, you know, like posters. And so I feel like that to me was kind of like, oh my gosh, design is literally everywhere. Like somebody had to design this, uh, you know, medical equipment, uh, how we see stop signs, like signs and, you know, navigating all that stuff. And I couldn't unsee any of it. So I think that was the most thrilling part for me of that study abroad where I was like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. How did I not <laughs> see it before? <laughs> Just flicked a switch and all of a sudden it became apparent. Oh yeah, totally. Got yeah. It. And I couldn't like a pinpoint like one thing, but I would just say the experience overall was like my eyeballs were going crazy. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Is there is is there one design or one project or something that stands out to you as the most influential through that time of your life? Um, you know what? There was one during that time I had a project where we actually worked with the local like church uh to renovate to do some of the artwork that they were renovating and mm-hmm. we started doing uh, mosaic and stained glass pieces of art and I was super uh I don't know. I was really excited about it just because the technique I had never learned anything about like stained glass windows or how you cut mosaic and how you place everything and how color mattered. And then for it to then be taken into an actual place and be stored there, I was like, this is really cool. And I think that was kind of my first taste too of like collaboration with other artists. And it was never like the project was never like, oh, you're doing this by yourself. But collectively as a group, Mm -hmm. we worked together and we worked together with the church and we installed it. And so that to me was like, I wanted more of that. So um, it was definitely something that stood out. What a cool experience. Yeah, it was really cool. So you've you've got your hands in some artwork in in an Italian church. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to feel good to say I that. know. <laughs> I know. It was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And I couldn't like even pinpoint. I still have photos of it, I think. It's just hoarder, right? So um, all on. the like initial sketches I, I did for it. And yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Cool. It's really cool. That's cool. So I want to now ask if there's any designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow. And what is it about them that you like? Yeah, I actually have. Uh, so I when I was working at Hallmark right before I moved back to the West Coast and worked started working for Amazon, I lived in Kansas City. Um, I love Kansas City. Their creative community is so cool and tight and everyone is super supportive. But there is one artist who is also an art educator. She's an art teacher and her name is Lauren Phillips. And I've actually commissioned her to do a couple of things for our house. And I love her sense of color and just what she has to say with art and uh, point of views, politics, like everything, all of it. And 
I would definitely recommend checking her out because I'm all about color, obviously. So her um, aesthetic is really, really cool. That's a great That one. said, yeah. And I also like really um, talking about shapes and color. Brett Stenson from uh, Jovi and Friends from Portland, out of Portland. He's, <laughs> I love everything he does, too. It's just the color combinations, the overlays, the simple shapes, and it's just mind-blowing. I'm like, how did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. How? <laughs> how? Yeah. Please tell me how. I know. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, those two right now, I'm really into right now. Nice. Nice. Name drops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you probably made some mistakes and learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories and lessons uh, out for the listeners here. Sure. What has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah. Um, hmm. That is a good question. I would probably say uh, leaving full-time jobs with benefits for <laughs> something that is kind of unknown. <laughs> Terrifying. Um, I know, really. It really is scary. Uh, at the time, I had a nine-month-old baby as well. So I left my full-time job for with benefits to work uh, at Starbucks Global Creative for a three-month contract. And that was truly terrifying, as it was to leave the place to go somewhere else. So I think um, my biggest challenges in my career have been those that kind of affect my family and how we move forward with that. Because, I mean, obviously, they're both important to me. So maneuvering both those worlds into something that fits in and makes everyone happy. <laughs> so wh what do you think was sort of the key lessons in that on how you made that jump or, or the decision-making process through making that jump? Was it just about happiness and where would you be the happiest or, or what went into that? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of, cause at the job that I left, I wasn't really, I felt like I kind of like flatlined. I wasn't really being challenged and, mm -hmm um wasn't really didn't really feel appreciated so I was like kind of looking for something else right and so I thought this is a great opportunity for me um I could learn so much and I've always looked up to the um artwork and the design that comes out of that studio from the get-go so I was like this is great this is kind of an opportunity that I can't say no to so even if it was not financially a good decision. I um, was like, let's do it. <laughs> sort of the yeah, learning so think, opportunity too. Yeah. And I, I've said this before to my husband too, like I'm a forever learner. And I think that that's what's kept me going in my career and like moving from place to place and just kind of like making sure that that part of me is also fulfilled. So listening to my gut was huge on that as well. Um, and I don't have any regrets. So that's also helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. So getting through that initial stress and, and worry about doing that, um, was there anything you did specifically to kind of calm yourself down or reassure yourself? Or I am a huge fan of list as well, but like it's, uh, I call them my calculated risks where I just kind of go through the line and like, okay, if anything, this is like an experience that I can say I experienced and then I'll move on. I could find another job elsewhere. So kind of like talking myself off the ledge, but also making a list of pros and cons and making sure that we were going to be okay and everything else um, was super important for that mm -hmm. to happen. Crazy. Yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody kind of gets to that point in their life where they got to make a decision. They're going to jump and spread their wings and see what happens or, or stay with, yeah. you know, what feels good and what feels comfortable. And Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, the same thing kind of goes for like me making the decision to go freelance full time. Like that was super scary as well. But it was like, am I going to be happier making my own schedules and, you know, working on the projects that I'm most excited about? And maybe then I didn't have quite the insight of like what, um, you know, saying yes to what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this time around was totally different. I was like, no, I want to be doing more illustration work. I want to be seeking jobs where I'm collaborating with people and brands that I um, am with, you know, that I'm behind, that I can work well with or whatever. And um, so that was like, I have to do this. It's it's kind of now or never (laughs) sort of perfect timing. Um, And that's when I was like, you know what, let's just do it and figure it out. Worst case scenario, I can always get a different job, right? Yeah, there you go. Always get another job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Got it. So now I want to go to a specific design or project um, that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result, something that went off the rails. What was that like? How did that feel? Take us to that story. Yeah. Um, I have one in mind that kind of sticks out. It was earlier in my career, I was working on some packaging design and Again, like maybe not being so confident in my own voice and kind of voicing my opinion, uh, but I was the only designer on the team and there was other marketing people, but as the only creative on the team, it was super important for me to speak up. And I think there with my lesson learned was that I need to speak up when I have an opinion about something because after all, I am the professional who's getting paid to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just took very a really long time to get there. I did so many rounds of like different materials for uh, chocolate packaging and it just would not come out. And, you know, I was butting heads with kind of the CEO of the company and we were talking about like um, what other options we had. And it took like a good six months to kind of land where we landed initially, which was on paper. And I was like, this is, Uh, this is a classic case of like too many options, you know, like I remember doing staying up really late and just kind of going through every single option of like what this could look like and exhausting every single avenue. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know which one looks good anymore. I've Mm -hmm. done so many of these and, you know, and then I was like, if I should have railed that or uh, reeled it in and just presented, you know, three or four different concepts instead of 25, like no one needs to see all of this. Right. Yep. Yeah, so that's kind of where I learned my big lesson on that and kind of being able to, again, find my own voice and just make those suggestions and be confident in it. Um, so, like, I got, I mean, it did turn out bad because the package, it took longer than expected and we were late on certain launches and didn't hit certain dates that we were hoping to get. But I feel like I learned a lot from that and um, yeah, it's definitely something that stuck out. Yeah, uh, Don't underestimate the, the lessons through the pain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the lessons through the pain. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah. That's definitely yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you kind of have that feeling of, um, you know, that you should be speaking up, but you kind of stuffed it down. And the, and the lesson that you pulled from that is always speak up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if it's not the most popular opinion, because I think that was also something I struggled with, too, where I Mm -hmm. wanted to please, you know, who I was working with because I was the only designer and wanted to do the right thing. But I feel like even now when I was working at Amazon, I felt like I could speak up about things even though we didn't agree on everything and how important even speaking up, especially when you didn't agree with something, Mm -hmm. um, how important that was. Totally. Well said. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so Marisol, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? 
Oh man, I've been super transparent about this all over my Instagram. Where I'm <laughs> just my time management is so poor. I I can't, and I think it's just from like, obviously now I have I don't have a project manager. I mm-hmm. have to do all of these things for myself and having a home office versus having a place to go into. And, you know, this is where I do my work instead of it bleeding over because mm-hmm. for the past two weeks, I've been staying up to like 4 a.m. doing my work when I'm like, why, why, <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> How could I improve yeah. this process? <laughs> I know. And honestly, it's so overwhelming that I just don't even know where to start. I've tried like time management apps, like writing down every single thing, paper, mm-hmm. you know, agendas, and I just can't hit the sweet spot. So I think I think what needs to happen is that I need to leave my house. So I'm going to be looking into like renting out a studio here nearby and just kind of co-working with other people um, mm-hmm. besides my cats. <laughs> <laughs> and there's many advantages of that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure your cats are creative. But, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <sure. laughs> but, you know, being in an environment where you can collaborate and share ideas, even though they may not be designers, they may not be illustrators, oh, yeah. they still have a different perspective and a different opinion on something that might light something else on a project that you're working on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, the internet can only take you so far, but I feel like I definitely know that I need people and I need to be surrounded by other people who I can share things and ideas with and kind of just do the back and forth uh, feedback. And it's important, I think, you know, because I mean, how else is it going to get your work going to get better if it's just you looking at it and not somebody else? (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So true. So that's something that I'm struggling with. So if you got any tips, <laughs> let Well, me the know. only thing that came to mind is what I'm personally trying to get into right now, which is like block scheduling. So mm. you go through your entire week and you block out time. You know, blue is your exercise time. Red is your mm-hmm. work time. And by blocking it out like a week in advance, color coding it on a week view of your calendar... You know, in mm-hmm. your, my case, in your case, we have kids as well. Like you can mm-hmm. find out, okay, I should find childcare here and you can kind of get ahead of it mm-hmm. in essence. But I mean, I can't speak to the success of it yet because I'm still in the midst of trying to figure out what mine could look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good shout that I haven't tried that yet. But yeah, try that. The other one that yeah. I've read about, but I haven't really explored much is um, bullet, um, uh, bullet scheduling, I think. Well, I think mm-hmm. the term is bullet journaling, but it also helps you with like goals and crossing off goals and things like that. So maybe uh-huh. the, maybe the two work together. You yeah. Know, you have your journal and your schedule, two separate things. Yeah, yeah. Because right now, like I'm running off of like Google tasks and that mm. can only take me so far. <laughs> yeah. Plus I find, you know, being, I'm a paper and print junkie. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I find when I'm using an app or a calendar, like on my phone, I'm less inclined like it feels different than if I actually wrote the words down on paper in Mm -hmm. like an official calendar of mine for the week like it just feels like there's a different level of accountability Mm -hmm. now if it's an appointment with somebody then you already have that accountability because you don't want to let somebody else down but right, if it's right. only yourself you're arguing you're you're debating with like if you let yourself down meh I'll try better next time Right. <laughs> it's a lot easier to let yourself down than it is to let somebody else down, I find. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. That's it's really hard. Yeah. So the written calendar of some kind, I feel, just raises the accountability. 
Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, it's I <laughs> help. In, yeah, in my humble opinion, I should add. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and with that, even like comes with like all the other uh, business, just kind of paperwork trail like invoicing and i think that's the other part that i have a hard time with like trying to block the time to do all the admin work and even pricing sometimes i'm like i can't think about this right now because i mm-hmm. have to do this other thing and it's yeah. always uh, yeah the other part of that too though is when you're sort of that solopreneur in a way um mm-hmm. is knowing where your specialties and strengths are and hiring for the rest. So even though initially it might cost you 500 bucks a month to have an accountant or a bookkeeper to do your invoicing and billing, um, mm-hmm. taking that those few hours off of your plate um, per month, whatever those hours are, allows you to focus those hours back onto something else, something that does yeah, light you up, something else that does grow you. So there's that like mm-hmm. initial pain for the cost of it, because you can't mm-hmm. really justify it. You can't say like, well, this allowed me to make X amount more so I can cover the cost of that. Like you can't do that initially, but mm-hmm. the long term of that is maybe beneficial. Oh yeah. I'm all for it. I definitely have a bookkeeper. I'm like, you, I can't, nope. I'm not very good at math. <laughs> nope. So I, ain't the I numbers need some person. help. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's not me. No, that's really good. Cool. Yeah. So I want to turn this around now and I want to ask you about the project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that maybe makes your heart sing or just, you know, a design feather in your cap. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I don't think I have like one per se, but I think the one sort of topic that kind of, I keep playing in my head is all my collaborative projects that I've had with other artists. Uh-huh. Um, I've done a ton of collaborative work with lost type and, doing illustration work for them and just kind of the whole feedback vibe that we have. And um, I think those have been my most successful projects in my opinion, because I gain a lot. I gain a lot from those, right. You Mm -hmm. gain feedback, friendship, um, really neat projects that kind of come together. And most of the time they're like, um, I do my part of, you know, doing some illustrations, but there's also like um, a mini site that goes with them promotional work. And so I feel like, it's a bigger, I feel like more like a team. So it's, I love those collaborative projects. Yeah, those are great. Or doing artwork for like good as well. Like those, those have been good. Like I recently did, um, we, so I have this print mercado with uh, Victor Melendez who Mm -hmm. used to work at Starbucks. I used to work with, and we do a lot of collaborative work and we make prints and sell them, but we also donate all that money as well. And so that's been a huge part of um, what, how important design is for me and trying to, (laughs) <laughs> do art for good, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So those kind of pl- collaborative projects have also been really great. Uh, ones that I'm most proud of. Yeah. That is a great one. Those collaborative projects that, you know, you, you kind of go at it with a team effort, less solo, and it just feels like you, you know, get a more rounded project and you just can accomplish more, you feel, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I feel like it just, you know, one idea, like I think I started off with one idea and then after hearing several other people, it's like, oh yeah, and then it turns into this a cooler idea that you know you didn't even think of. So, yeah, it's really cool. I really love them. Nice collaborative. Yeah, yeah. So then, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I have to say, my 
I can't, you know, I could actually lose the computer. I'm not really fussed about it, but I am, I would say probably like my, I had these crusty brushes that I've had since I was in high school (laughs) and I use them for texture and they're so good. (laughs) So it's been like my one secret weapon that I've had and they're so disgusting and I need to replace them. But how does she get those textures? It's the crusty, crusty brushes. The crusty brushes and my ink. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So good. (laughs) So gross, but it's so awesome. I don't know. And all my lino cut tools, like I really do love working with my hands a lot more than being on the computer. And Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of things. But, you know, obviously I make, uh, do the textures and scan them in and manipulate them on the computer. But Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm totally into Procreate off, you know, recently. uh, But iPad Pro? I just, yeah, iPad Pro, but there's also just, there's nothing, I don't know. I still love ink and and doing things analog. So I mm-hmm. try to, if I have the time, I will go the extra mile to just do it by hand. And it looks so much better. <laughs> Got it. In my opinion. <laughs> yep. Nope. There's something yeah, to be yeah. said about notebooks and, you know, the, the printed tangible. There's something to be said about that. For sure. So Marisol, you've yeah. reached the ask it forward question. I have right. a question for you from my previous guest, okay. and you get to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. All right. So my last guest was a gentleman by the name of Rocky Rourke. He's the design director of Blue Cyclops Design Company uh, mm-hmm. out of San Diego, California. Uh-huh. And similar to what we were talking about, he wanted to ask you, how do you stay organized? Do you have any tools or tricks or what do you do? Oh, um, okay. So being print, we're talking about print and paper, like kind of tangible. I mm-hmm. do print out my briefs and kind of keep them paper clipped with like notes and things that, um, in my moleskin. So that's a one way that I stay organized based by projects. And I keep my sketches by projects in there as well. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like my computer, but in a notebook. Um, and I don't, everything else is kind of Still a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> it, which yeah, is such I'm just the trying to figure answer, that last yeah. part out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I feel like it's always a work in progress of staying organized. But yeah. I will say that I do keep my my uh, workspace area where I have my desk and where I paint like pretty neat. I like I have my tools organized, so brushes, pencils, and crusty brushes. Crusty brushes. <laughs> Paints, yeah. So clear space, clear mind. Yes, that's hopefully hopefully what gets me that's, there. That's the general direction we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And, yeah. and what is your question you would like me to ask the next guest? Oh, man. Okay. I have this uh, thing about guacamole. I love guacamole. Oh, I love guac. it. Uh, but the, my question is, sour cream or no sour cream? As a side or in the guacamole? No, in the guacamole. What? Because yeah, I've had this like debate with people. I know. It's like, okay, I have my own opinions about it, obviously, but I've seen people put either like uh, yogurt or sour cream in their guacamole to make it creamier, I guess. But I, what? No, that's my opinion on it. <laughs> but I want to know. <laughs> Gua- so you want me to ask better, with sour cream you or want no me sour to, cream? Because you want me to ask, do you put sour cream in your guac? Yes. And if you don't, do you think it would improve the guacamole experience? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the first I've heard of it. So now I'm thinking like, how do I feel about that? I don't even know. I know. I know. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. 
I see the benefits, you know, you're like, okay, it keeps it green. It adds like creamier texture or whatever. But I've been, I don't think it's, you can't call it guacamole because like, that's not how it's traditionally made, but that's right. You can't mess with tradition. If you wanted to call it like sour guaca cream or something like that. Okay. (laughs) Switch it up. Avocado sauce. (laughs) Yeah. But speaking of guacamole, my wife and I recently found guacamole hummus. So it's made with what? avocado instead of like the traditional chickpeas. Yeah. And that is so good. Uh, wait, but what else is in it? That's a very good question. Not hummus. So it's like, it's guac. <laughs> you know, I have to, I will, I'll do some further investigation and report back because I didn't All actually right. look, to be honest. I was like, look, no, it's yeah, green yeah. and it's called avocado hummus. All right, cool. Maybe it's just their <laughs> same guac recipe, but it's like in a different package. A creamier form without any of it's the other guacamole stuff. guacamole rebranded. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it <laughs> for the Perfect. hummus lovers. Marisol, you made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. What a fantastic Ask It Forward question. I cannot wait to share with you what the next guest had to say about it. Thanks. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you tomorrow.